The Golden Mike Podcast is presented by SeaDeck Marine Products. SeaDeck features non-absorbent closed-cell PE EVA blended foam that delivers the perfect combination of comfort, safety, and style. For more information, check out www.seadeck.com. That's S-E-A-D-E-K.com. Your boat deserves SeaDeck. And now, it's showtime. Unbelievable. Recognized as the official voice of Toad Water Sports for over a decade. His vocal tones have narrated the industry's biggest and most prestigious events in the world. With over 25 years of on-water experience, captivating charisma, and a command of his audience. Presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast. With the noise of the North himself, Dano the Mano. Hey, hey, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to episode 138 of the Golden Mike Podcast. As always, I am the noise of the North. I'm Dan Lamano, recording from my boathouse studio in quarantine safe space in lovely Windermere, Florida, home of the Windermere Wolverines. There you go, Arthur, just throwing that one out there. Hope everyone's staying safe in these dark times, but just in case, here is your bi-monthly dose of audio sunshine. Today's episode is brought to you in part by SeaDeck Marine Products. Times are uncertain right now. SeaDeck is committed to providing the best customer service it can during this unprecedented pandemic and has vowed to keep its web store open to field any questions and place all orders. Once they're allowed to resume manufacturing in May, all orders will be shipped out in a timely fashion. If you're buying a new boat or wanting to give your current boat a facelift, right now is an awesome time to support a company like SeaDeck, creating American-made products while supporting local mountain pot installers. Whether you need a new step pad to deck out an old swim platform or any other flooring solution, visit www.cdeck.com. You may be surprised just how quick and reasonable they really are. It's time to give your boat what it deserves, and your boat deserves SeaDeck. As you all know, the current coronavirus pandemic has halted all events, both on the water and off, and I have my fingers crossed that All things will slowly start up again as soon as we move into the summer. But right now, no one knows anything for sure. If you are trying to monitor cancellations or looking for general wakeboard news, I suggest you guys check out the WWA.com, www.thewwa.com, as well as download their Rideline app for your smartphone and your tablet devices. Guys, this is an actual app. You find it in the App Store, and it's free. The WWA's Rideline app, it's great. It's a free tool for event resources, articles, and results, professional and amateur, nationwide and around the world. Also, if you find yourself stuck at home with nothing to do, I encourage all of you to go back and listen to some of the older episodes of this podcast or just some you may have skipped over in the past. You can find them on SoundCloud, Google Podcast, iTunes, Apple Podcast. You can also listen to all the episodes on my website, noiseofthenorth.com. If you've always wanted to leave me a review on iTunes and never could find the time, well, how about right now? 
And if you know every episode by heart, I urge you guys to go check out all the other water sports podcasts out there. What a great time it is for water sports content. I would love it if you guys could listen to and write a review for all of them as well. I'm talking about Dave Briscoe's podcast, the Outside the Edge podcast, Matteo Luzari, the Water Ski podcast, and a slew of others popping up every day. I feel like I'm seeing new content from these guys twice a week while I'm still dropping episodes twice a month. It's all good, my friends, but let's support them all. And guys, I know that my following is wake heavy, but the idea behind this podcast is to highlight all aspects of Toad Water Sports. And now that I think about it, there's a podcast from Radar Pro Skiers, Chris Rossi and Trent Finlinson called the Spray Makers Podcast. I think that some of you guys might really dig it. Definitely has been growing on me for sure. The Spray Makers Podcast is super tech heavy and it gives you a lot of great insight into the world of slalom ski. Rossi and Trent are accomplished and respected Slomsky specialists, and they're just overall cool dudes, my friends. And they're great ambassadors for the entire Radar and Ronix family and Toad Water Sports in general. Check it out, check them out, and let's just say when it comes to those two and their credentials, they speak for themselves, and when it comes to the water and competition and coaching as well. But let's just say that you're not into the slalom ski, the technical stuff. Well, if you go ahead and visit ronixwake.com, you'll be able to find content and products for all kinds of riders and all kinds of prices. You can check out the Ronix TV tab and see their latest videos and head on over to the Instagram page at Ronix Wakeboards to watch the Ronix public broadcasting live stream, RPB. Every Tuesday and Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern with everyone from the Ronix team. All right, guys. So here we go. My guest today is the astonishingly marvelous wakeboarding coach of the stars and future stars of wake. Glenn Fletcher, who co-owns and operates O-Town Water Sports in Orlando, Florida. Glean, by the way, of New Zealand. That's right. Glenn has been in O-Town Stable for nearly 20 years and even helped pave the way for other Kiwi riders like Jeff Weatherall and good friend of the show, Brad Smela. And as you'll hear, Glenn also played a role at some of our industries, well, then most prominent wake schools and camps. I've known Glenn from my days working as a sales associate at Performance Ski and Surf, and I've gotten to know him personally through announcing the Performance Gravel Tour, and of course having Glenn bring in so many talented athletes over the years, both into the event and into performance as well. It just goes to show how the sport thrives through the symbiotic relationship between the coaches, the athletes, the shops, and the promoters, and how everyone contributes to the final product, a la the water sports industry. We recorded this interview at O-Town back in February. We did have to record inside, although it was a gorgeous night, and it was uh, really great being out there. We did try to record in the boat, but planes were flying over, so we were inside. It's kind of like a clubhouse there. The place was filled with all these awesome old magazines and videos and nostalgia from the past students, uh, guys like Rusty Malinowski and Steel Lafferty, so many more. O-Town's a place that has a lot of history to go with it. 
So get this, although I'm sure some of you already know, but before O-Town was O-Town and Glenn ran the location, it was actually owned and operated by water ski icon Jennifer Leachman, now LaPointe who handed the reins over to Glenn, and he and his family have now continued to add to its legacy. So without further ado, let's hear all about it from the man himself. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get to it. It's Glenn Fletcher right here on the Golden Mike Podcast. Guys, I'm sitting here with Glenn Fletcher. Glenn, what are you, the head coach here at O-Town? I'm, I'm the head coach of uh, O-Town Water Sports right here in Central Central Florida in Orlando. You, you a co-owner as well? I'm a co-owner with my with my wonderful wife. Quick little history about O-Town. Uh, we purchased it off Jennifer uh, when she was transitioning out of the water skiing. And actually, you know what? This is a good story. So she called me up one day and she was... Jennifer calls you. Jennifer calls me. And this was way back in 2002. And she goes, um, hey, Glenn, I, I need a coach for a couple of weeks. I've got some wakeboarders coming in. I don't have any coaches right now. And I said, yep, not a problem. So I, I helped her out for two weeks. At the end of the two weeks, she was like, you're really good at this. You, uh, would you be interested in buying the building? Would you be interested sorry, in, in buying the business? And I was like, nah, 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 too much, too much. And my partner at the time um, slapped me and said, yes, we'll take it. So it was her initiative, and uh, it's been it's been. Go. So was your partner at the time your partner yes, now? Yes, yes, the brain, my, my, my wife now. All right, so let's talk about it. As a New Zealander, how uh, did you get into wakeboarding? Uh, did you grow up as a skier, or, or how did you get involved with the sport? I was a surfer, skater, surfer, and then summer of 95 in New Zealand, my buddy Brendan Keys, he, um, he goes, Fletch, let's go wakeboarding. And I was like, what's wakeboarding, mate? And he go, he showed me it, and I'm like, what is that? He worked at a surf shop, and they had the first Rusty Pro uh, sandal strap. It was a piece of plywood with some sandal bindings on it. And I'm like, what? And I was the only one of his mates with a boat. That's the only reason he asked me. And well, I, well, okay, so well, why did you have a boat? If you were you a ski, you weren't no, a skier. No, no, no. My dad was. My dad loves fishing. Gotcha. And by boat, I'm describing a 14 foot aluminum hull uh, with a 40 horsepower. A tinny. A tinny. Yeah. A tenny. And so Brendan seized on that and was like, right, Fletcher's got a boat. Let's go. And the first time I tried it, instant addiction to the to the mainframe. Okay, so so like what level of a skater, what level of a surfer uh, were you before? I was a, I was a pretty good skater. I love mini ramp. I did some street, did a little bit of vert, and fully addicted to surfing. My plan at the time was to uh, finish my apprenticeship and then to move to like Tahiti or Fiji and surf the reefs out there. But wakeboarding wakeboarding found me were you uh, ever considering being like competitive or a pro in skateboarding or surfing or anything uh, like that i honestly going up growing up in school i played cricket a little bit of rugby but i was never really a big sports guy um until i found wakeboarding and then i just i just loved it and when you and when you found it in new zealand are how uh, how do you get involved is there like a level of involvement are there tournaments are there, are you uh, teaching people or do you find a crew of people to ride with there around was this there time? was nothing there was nothing literally brand like i say my mate had the first wake one of the first wakeboards in new zealand so this was all new 95 there was nothing 96 it was just just us charging and i got to the point where i'm like i can't grow anymore I can't. so how are you charging though what were you guys riding behind you had the boat we're taking our dad's boat we're like throwing logs and rocks in the back of it just trying to like weigh it down that 40 horsepower was, was struggling. Yeah, so there's only so much you can do in a, a 14 foot, 40 horsepower tin boat. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. And we were watching all the uh, the VHS tapes. I think Thirty Dirty Tricks. I don't know if you remember that. Was that a Conley movie or it something? It was not. Or? It was a Thirty Dirty Tricks. I, I think I might even have it here. Um, but that was that. That gave you all the, these Thirty Dirty Tricks, and we were trying to learn these Thirty Dirty Tricks. So, like, what level did you get behind on the on the tin boat? I think I could do a tantrum. And dude, once I did that first tantrum, that first invert, I'm like, that's it. I'm ready to go pro. Mom, yeah. I need a ticket for the U.S. Is okay, so so is so like is that it? Did you like you get into it and within a year? Uh, you're ready to go pro. Like you, you realize you want to go pro wakeboarding. Literally within that year, that 18 month period. I, I I realized that this was this was my goal. This was my purpose in life. I had to become a professional wakeboarder. Who were who were the riders that you were looking up to? I know you said you were watching some VHSs in uh -huh. New Zealand, but I'm guessing you probably didn't have access the same way that we did over here in the States. So who were the guys that, that stood out? Were you reading Wakeboard Magazine? Was that even available? I found, I found Wakeboard Magazine. I had to order it. Uh, Scott Barley, Drew McGuckin, Greg Nekrasen, Dean Laval, Murray, of course, um, Mikasich. I mean, those guys there, yeah. So are those the guys that inspired you to, to make the move to the United States? And was it straight to the United States, or did you do any kind of travel before that? Um, no, man, I'd never been out of the country. And, and again, my plan was to go surfing in the islands, but, but once I found wakeboarding, I'm like, I've, and I saw all the videos, and I'm like, Florida, Orlando, that's where I got to go. So, who's your, so you decide that you want to come to Florida, so... What do you do? Do you buy a, a plane ticket to Orlando or do you make some contacts down here? A water ski magazine. I, yeah, I had water ski magazine that I had found in a store. I went through the back of it and I hand wrote letters to all the ski schools, basically saying, declaring, I will do anything you want. I will live in the back garden shed, um, whatever it takes. I want to come and, and have the opportunity to... Uh, to wakeboard and I'll do whatever it takes. And I, I wrote probably like 16, 17 of those and uh, one replied. You, who was that? One replied, Andy Hansen. Andy Hansen. It was the Benzel Skiing Center at the time, which then transferred into the World Wakeboard Center with the Hansen family. So just real fast, Andy Hansen, Andy Hansen. father of... Trevor Hansen, Reed Hansen, Amber Hansen, and his wife, Joni. Okay, and okay, so um, real fast here before we get into the WWC stuff, mm -hmm. When you were moving from New Zealand over to the States to wakeboard and you're hitting up all these ski schools, coaching isn't something that you want. Like, you, you were willing to do whatever, but in your mind, are you coming here to get water time? Or are you coming over to the U.S. because you are aspiring to become a wakeboard champion? Wakeboard champion. I want to be, I want to be pro. I want to do a Rayleigh, man. So, okay, so you get here. So tell me tell me how it all works out with WWC, and then I also follow up with that, um, uh, what your impression was once you got to America. Uh, I, I basically, I, I remember that night Andy called. He says, hello, blah, blah, and we're talking, and he's asking me about my skill set and uh, can I fix trucks. And um, Wait, fix trucks? Yeah, 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 yeah. So he really wasn't interested in any of my wakeboard skills, but he wanted to know if I could fix trucks. How I was on maintenance? Could I do any construction? He wanted to know if I was going to be an asset, you know, what other assets I had. And um, I was so jazzed, I, I could do everything. I could do everything. So 
Then I remember running upstairs telling my, my parents, I'm like, oh, I just got a phone call from the US. They want me. They want me. And I think my mother started crying. How old are you at the time? I think I was 21, maybe 22. Right, yeah. And uh, so my mother, like, you know, they're freaking out. Their sons, they've been watching too much uh, cops on TV. Right. So, they know all about America, right? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That was, yeah. So the, the next thing I know, I'm, I'm buying a ticket. Um, my dad's give, you know, my dad's, they're, they're all worried. They think I'm, I'm a lunatic. I'm crazy. This is a crazy dream. I mean, this is crazy. Yeah, this is crazy. At this point, I mean, are there any other New Zealanders that have ever done what you're about to do? Move to America to become a, 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 a wakeboarder? Yeah, one of my, one of my really good, he became one of my close friends and still is, uh, Gavin, Gavin Broadbent. And he had, uh, I didn't meet him until a few years later. So I didn't even know Gav was around, but he was riding up in Auckland, which is a couple of, couple of hours away from Tauranga. That's where... Brad Smale is from, That's right? Where Brad Smale is from, yeah. Very cool, man. Okay, so tell me about getting to America and the experience of meeting. So, so you took the job. I, take I took it. the job, Andy. I can do it all. Okay, so you get your flight. Andy doesn't pay for the flight. You have mm, to buy your own mm, flight. But I'd saved up, saved up. Okay, but but what's the deal? He's pick, he, hey, Andy. I got a flight. He's picking you up from the airport, and He's you're gonna start. Picks like, me up and. Uh, is amazing. Um, welcome, welcomes me to the camp, and then pretty much shows me where the lawnmower is, and it's it's work time. And Straight basically, work. you you work, you know, you'd work like ten hours a day, just did whatever they needed me to do, and I got to wakeboard twice a day, and I was so happy. Okay, so how does the transition of you being maintenance to coach, or did you never coach at WWC? No, no, no. Um, I think it was second year, because what I what I did, I did I did my first year there. Uh, which was, you know, like maybe like three or four months. And then I went back to the New Zealand summer and I went back a completely different rider. And then I met a couple more New Zealanders. And so is there any scene in New Zealand at this it was, time? It was, again, like where I lived because it's a coastal town, there was no real scene. I was the scene, me and my mates. And so I didn't realize that up in Auckland, you know, there were actually, there was a small scene. Um, and actually that's where I got to meet Gavin. And uh, Gavin introduced me to a lot of the local guys and helped me get to ride behind better boats. He was, Gavin was really good to me. Okay, so in these early years, like say like 96, 97, 98, what was your balance between like say America and New Zealand? And then yeah, what was the balance between America and New Zealand? It was, how much it time was, there and how much time here? It was uh, summer to summer to summer to summer. I didn't see a winter for maybe three years. Okay, so so and how many years were you going back? Because now you don't really go back no, to New dude. Zealand. No, anymore. no, I went back. Yeah, I, I I hardly ever go. In fact, I went back last March for the first time in nineteen years. Wow, it's crazy. Wow. So so how many years? So how many years in a row was it that you it were? Was, I think it was like three years straight. I went summer to summer to summer to summer. And then you realized all you have to do is live in Orlando and you can get a a, a twelve month summer. Pretty much. Insane. So what were some of your um, contest results? Did you have any luck in, in competition? I did. I did. I did. So I went back after what I did. Let me think. Let me think. Um, I won Open Men's in 1999. The WWA Open Men's. At Worlds? At Worlds. I won at OWC in 1999. I won that. And what about in like New Zealand? Did you compete out yeah, there? Yeah, I, I did the New Zealand Nationals. And the one year that I competed, I got first. Um, was it almost unfair you went but to america you rode with the best riders no 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 my mate gavin was here and gavin was going for it so i had to go for it i mean that was an intense contest because it's the first time i'd you know like had the new zealand hype behind me and 
It was great. So let's talk about how you, uh, well, let's talk a little bit about how you got into coaching, but also how you got out of personally competing. Now, I, I, I do believe you competed. I, I, I want to say like around 2011, I remember the WWA had like a pro veterans division. I swear you oh, yeah, competed. Yeah. I, I did that with Dean Laval and Greg Nacrasso. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I swear you competed in that, but... In all my years announcing, you were more behind the scenes, more of a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so when did you step away from seriously competing and more into coaching? And how did you get into the coaching and stuff? When my wife said I was too old, <laughs> she was like, "What are you doing? You're like you're, you're like 28 and you're too old." Yeah, yeah, I'm too old. I'm too. I mean, I started late. I started late. You start now at 21. No, so you know it was a reality check. I mean, the tricks were getting harder. I was getting older. Um, and you know, after all these years of getting to wakeboard and, and working as a coach to, to get that, to make that wakeboarding happen, I actually turned out, like refined my skills as a coach and realized, wow, I really love coaching. Over, over, over the wakeboarding. Did you have, like, did you ever have, you work with the best wakeboarders in the world, the, the best competitors, the top names, and you have for so long and you see these drives and you probably also mentally know what drives some of these guys like did you like looking back at it did you have that same drive that say so oh yeah oh i did i did i just didn't have the guidance i didn't listen to the people that were like you need to learn 180 first you need to go back and learn that first so i was so bullheaded which is you know too much testosterone um but that's why i think now as a coach i have the perspective i know he's not going to listen if i tell him this way so I tell them another way. And that's why I love coaching the ladies, because the ladies listen. Yeah. All right, so, so tell me how, how you got into the coaching. When did it start, and, and what was that transition? Well, it was from, from working for the, for the Hansons and then having an opportunity with P, the great PJ Marks and the weightball camp. That was insane. Um, that was a crazy three years working for them. Carl Schmidt, one of the best coaches ever sure. in the industry. Um, and so many cool coaches at the weightball camp. I went from, yeah, from the Hansons, working with PJ. So did you, so, okay, so when you were at WWC, did they end up hiring you as a coach at eventually? At eventually. I had to work my way up. So how, like, how did, how did that happen? How did you fall into the, or get into the coaching position? I think Andy saw me simmer down a little bit. Um, and he saw my boat driving skills improve. And I was working with the students better. I'd settled down. I'd calmed down a little bit. And Andy's a great guy. He's he's he he's really good at kind of grooming people, if that makes sense. Right. And um, you know, he, he pointed me in the right direction. Very good. Okay, so you work there, and then how to so in your timeline, I know, and you just kind of mentioned it right there. You end up at the wakeboard camp, which is a competing to, yeah, wakeboard to, school. Yes, yes. So. How how is the relationship with WWC and also how do you end up over there at um, it was wakeboard fine. camp? It was fine. Um, the wakeboard camp was you know it was it was in the next the, the next route I had to go. Because um, at one point, I mean, the wakeboard camp was probably the most recognized, yes. even in the '90s. You know, even when Boniface Ski School was out there, even when Dean Lavelle had his you know wakeboarding stuff going on. Well, you know, Dean still does, but I mean, you know, back then. Um, but it, it was, you know, it, yeah, no, it was, probably it was, the most recognized, like I know guys where I was from, even if they were going down to Boniface ski school to ride with parks and hang with parks, they would still 
Like Ruck, I remember him and his brother still going up to the wakeboard camp to get a couple of days in. Dude, with it, you was, guys. it was the place. It was the place. I mean, I was really proud to like be a part of it. So how does how do you get involved? I had PJ on the show and it was great and stuff. How do you how do you end up working with PJ? I think I got into introduced to PJ through Carl Schmidt, and um, again, you know, you just start at the bottom, just start at the bottom, prove yourself, um, and just work really, really hard. We'll just work really hard. And of course my writing had improved. So, you know, PJ watched me write and he was like, all right, you know, you know, you know your stuff. Um, and again, like just, just work really hard at something I loved. Yeah. So I wanted to hear about some of your experiences because I feel like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but when I was working at performance between 03 and 07, I mean, wakeboarding was almost peaking. Oh, yeah. I remember those years, man. But even before that, like even before that, wakeboarding was still peaking. I mean, I remember seeing videos. I remember seeing the wakeboard camp being loaded with students. I remember my friends. five students a week. It was insane. And, and you and and and. That was you guys turning people away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, PJ was, just, it was crazy how he ran the place. It was so many coaches. I mean, uh, it was five, five or six boats, 25 students a week all over the world. I mean, like Japanese, we had Dutch people and like week after week, just, just slammed. Our sport was booming. You would go to a contest at OWC and it would be packed. I mean, packed, you would have to park like two streets down. And then, like, get a shuttle into O-Dub. That's how busy it was, how popular, how booming our sport was. Absolutely unreal. So let me ask you this. When it comes, obviously, you've been doing this for a long time. When it comes down to it, why, why do you think that people should be coached? Uh, safety. It's a dangerous sport, especially now with the bigger wakes. So, like, having someone experienced guiding you, driving for you, is going to keep you a whole lot healthier. Okay, so do you, do you think that um, there's like a certain type of person that coaching is for, or, or do you think that everyone can benefit from coaching? I mean, it's, just, it's just like it's so different now, and I don't know. Like the sales show that people are still buying wakeboards, but I, I don't know. To me, I, if I look through the pages of the magazines, which, you know, obviously like there is no wakeboarding mag anymore, but, you know, like in the old days you looked through and there were so many ski schools. There were so many wakeboard schools. So many advertisers. So many. I mean, obviously things are, things are different now, but I, it's hard for me to believe that there aren't the amount of – I mean, I believe there aren't the amount of people who are seriously competitively wakeboarding anymore, but I believe that people still have it in their boats and are taking fun it's, rides. It's different, man. It used to be more of a rebel thing, like a skater thing. You know, even the old – Back in the day, the old videos that have some skate clips in there, guys riding behind outboard boats. It seems now that's gotten so specialized, so directed towards having to have these hundred thousand dollar machines that that rebel, you know, has, has kind of dropped away. It's like, yeah, it's our sport's expensive. I mean, it, it, it's definitely, uh, you know, it's 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 definitely a different scene, and I guess kind of yeah. going going off into that, uh, you know, kind of into a little bit of a of a of a different direction there. I mean, but when it was a rebel thing, I mean, I feel like coaching wasn't necessarily no. something that a rebel would no, want. No, not at all, not at all. Maybe learn a couple flips, and all right, I'm going to move on, and I'm going to build some rails and stuff like that. But you could argue that coaching was more prominent. In, year, in, in years before, I mean, again, you look at it and there were so many more, um, you know, uh, routes of, of wakeboard schools. You know, now, mm. if you, 
Here's the thing, dude. I, I typed it in today, and yes, I could off the top of my head because of what I, who I know and what I know name probably five schools, but like, I typed it in today. You're like the number one. You, you call, you're the first hit on really? Google. Yeah, That's you were awesome. So, I mean, it, it's. I don't know. It, it, it's something, but like at the, it, it's special for you guys. But at the end of the day, like there were still only like maybe twelve options on there. You yeah, know, it's crazy. So is it, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, is our sport shrunk? That scares I, me because I, I I love our sport. I know. Again, I, I again I, I I look at it and you know I, I go to the WSIA meetings and I get to hear some of the numbers and whatnot. And wakeboard sales, I mean. They're not bad. They really aren't. Wakeboard water. I mean, people are still buying the equipment. People are still out there. The boat sales are, you know, bigger than ever right now. So, I don't know. Yeah, getting it kind of uh, going back to it. So I want to like I do want to know like uh, when it when it when it comes to coaching, um, why you think people should be coached, and you know maybe who, like who should be coached. Like, is it for is it for those you know recreational riders? The rebels. I mean, if it's for like. Like, um, let me think. I've got, I've got a, a kid in from Seattle at the moment, and uh, he's in college, and his parents have been cool, and they've said, all right, well, you, can, you can go down to Florida for the winter. And so this kid is making the most of this opportunity. He's like, he's coming in for coaching a couple times a week. He's taking notes. He's going to the gym. He's going to the cable. Um, I think it's for, I mean, coaching maybe not for everybody, but for the people that want to excel, learn the trick safely, to get better at it, to experience being around other riders. Let's talk about a few of the different kinds of people that maybe come to ski school because um, I, I would guess that you have your, this guy kind of sounds like somebody who's more of a recreationalist, for you know, who, who does want to get better. But, you know, y you have a record of training and coaching some of the biggest and best names in the sport today. But... What about some of the people who don't really care about competition? That's cool. That's cool. I love it. Uh, last week we had a guy named Rich from Washington, and uh, he was 52. He's a car salesman, and he was getting cabin fever, and he called me up, and he was like, um, hello, um, am, I, am I advanced enough? Can I come down to you? I'd like to learn a power slide. And a couple went in. I'm like, let's do it, man. And he came down for three days, and we had a blast. I mean, I love that. As much as I love... Helping someone learn their first seven, uh, their first double. I love watching someone get booted for the first times on a double up on learning their first one week 360. Um, so I, I, I just I just love coaching. Do you? I mean, do you guys do like any? Do you guys ever get like the birthday party or anything like that? The group of kids. Of course, you know? of course. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, we'll do anything. We'll do anything. We uh, we just got a new e-foil in. That's pretty experimental. We're just figuring that out. Um, I love coaching wake surfing. Love coaching wake surfing. You actually have a water ski boat out there. And we too. have yeah, 1992 ski Nautique. I love that machine. Yeah, that thing. Three thousand hours on it. Wow. Woo. That thing is. Uh, that's a little beater. I out actually there. blew the muffler out. I blew the muffler out a couple of days ago. I was right next to it. I kicked it over and blew the right side of the muffler out. My ears were ringing, and I did a, a fiberglass patch. I'll show you later on. I'm pretty sure it's going to blow out again. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm sure 3,000 hours, I'm guessing you probably – did you buy that brand new? Uh, no. I, <laughs> there's a good story behind that. Uh, no, I did not buy it new. I bought I think it had like 200 hours on it, and it had the uh, the water pump had frozen up on it. The head gaskets had cracked. Um, anyway, it's the longest story. I love that book. Yeah, well, I, I've taken a couple of rides behind that boat, and I'm uh, I'm a fan myself. So, um, 
let's get back to a little coaching stuff here. I, I want to hear about, um, in, in your decades coaching, I'm guessing, you know, two decades, right? Over two decades now, 20 years. Dude, I haven't even thought back that far. I know. I'm sorry, man, but someone's got to open that I, box. I, so if I started in 90, if I started in 95, 96, and dude, I just coached and coached and coached to, to afford my habit. Well, okay, so I'm, I, I'm looking around here, and I'm looking at some of the boards. You showed me some of the journals that your students, and looking at the names, and obviously I announced the contest, and I see where people train. It's on their bio sheets. Um, dealt with, with all kinds of, of riders, but a lot of these riders come to you when they're very, very young, which means you're, you're dealing um, with the parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes this can be, uh, I'm guessing this can be a very easy task, and I'm guessing that sometimes this isn't a very easy task for you, and I'm hoping that you could share, um, you don't have to give me any names of parents or whatever, but some of some experiences that you've had, maybe um, like ideal experiences with parents and maybe the like not so ideal, um, because I, I feel like we're going to have a lot of like competitive um riders families probably listening to this show Mm -hmm. so you you know like this is almost maybe tips or hints for them you know how how to talk to the coach or how to listen i just you know all all too often i know i coached and a little bit when i was younger and i had this one experience i remember i had a parent who came up to me and said if you don't teach my kid the flip i will go to the next person that will teach my kid the flip but my argument was like i need to teach them the basic fundamentals first, knowing that a flip is all you need to know, to know on a uh-huh, flip uh-huh, is uh-huh. a really no, good I, cut. I know that. I know that song. So I and I ha- I've had that all all through the years. I've had that. They want results asap. They don't want to see toe side jumps and one eighties. They want flips and they want spins and they want them now. They want their bang for their buck. So so I've developed. Uh, it's it's quick. It's reasonably violent. Um, way way of doing it. I use the trampoline a lot. A lot. So if I can get the kids flipping on the trampoline, every parent wants to see the first flip. Flip on the trampoline safely, teach them good landing technique. Boom, we're on the water. And with the big wakes now, I can I can like really manipulate the wake. And I call it uh, like say they're learning their first back row. I have them edge in, not super hard, just enough to where they're going to get a nice little pop. But right before the wake, I'll have them release the handle. I'll have them flip. Without the handle. So we call it snowboard technique. They edge, they drop the handle, they flip. I chop the speed. If it goes wrong, they will crash in the middle of the wake at like, say, 10 or 12 miles an hour. So it's not a bad crash. They come up. They're like, oh, that didn't hurt. I can do this. You know, keep them pumped. Give them positive comments. And literally, uh, it sounds crazy. Even someone that cannot jump the wake heel side, um, I can have them at least kicking and getting upside down so the parents can be like, oh, I like that. Hey guys, just a quick message from our friends at Wake Responsibly, especially during social distancing and these strange times out on the water. Let's not draw any unnecessary attention to ourselves. And don't forget to always follow the three most important pillars of the Wake Responsibly initiative, which of course are to minimize repetitive passes, keep our music at responsible level, and stay at least 200 feet away from boat docks and shorelines. While I know social distancing is done better on a boat during this pandemic, make sure to limit your boat crew to just you and members of your immediate household. Stay six feet away from folks, especially at the sandbar and while tying up at the dock. 
Good times are good times, and the best times are at the lake. But safety is the number one concern here, guys. Stay safe and stay healthy. If you want to learn more, please head over to wakeresponsibly.com to take their compliance exam. And for all other information, try WSIA.net. How do you how do you deal with the parents who refuse to let you teach your way the fundamentals, the basics? Uh, and, and I mean, is that is that your like is that your teaching style even? Like I don't I, coach them. You say, I, I don't. I don't. I've, it's too it's too stressful. It takes away the fun for me, and I love what I do. So I don't. I don't so don't if you're me. in a situation like that, how do you deal? Like how do you nicely deal with a parent and like move them? To, uh, I don't. I let my wife deal with that. Gotcha. Um, can you can you talk about what the ideal like how the ideal interaction with with a parent is? Uh, it's a fun approach. It's realization that um, they're not going to make millions and millions of dollars out of this, that their child enjoys this, and that their child is learning about themselves through, through a sport, and um, everybody's on board on the same page. Safety is the number one concern, uh, personal growth, you know, the environment, just learning to be a, a well-rounded individual. That's the, kind of, that's the kind of families I like working with. Okay, so one question that I have, and I know a lot of people are wondering this is, is, and I see this a lot, and I ask myself, I'm like, man, Shota posted another photo, Shota Tezuka, posted a photo at at Glenn's, Uh, Steele posted a photo at Glenn's, Uh, you know, I'm I'm, I'm drawing a blank on some names, but it's like, oh, so-and-so, just podium this weekend, and like, uh, maybe a Corey or something, you know, Uh, podiumed or something, and he's still going to Glenn's, like, some of the best in the world continue to come back. I mean, and, and I would look at it almost just knowing from where I grew up and how I watched riders, you know, I, I don't think I ever saw Eric Ruck or Parks Bonifair, Danny Harf, and maybe I don't know fully, but I, I don't recall those guys, you know, being 21, 22 and saying, hey, I got to go to Ferraro or I got to go talk to Glenn, you know. But nowadays, some of the biggest, some of the best riders. I guess what I'm getting at um, here is at what point do you stop going to a coach or do you think it's something that you should do throughout your entire career? No, I mean, it, it's different. With with the ladies, they want to keep continual prog- progression and they they understand the benefit of, of going to a coach. You know, the, the ladies are different. And you got the guys. I'll normally work with them from when they're like, say like 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. The testosterone's kicking in. They don't want to be told what to do. They've got it figured out. And they'll kind of drift away and then they'll come back like kind of like mid-20s. Um, but I mean, it's, it's, it's an insane game now. I mean, you need, for a competition as a male, you're going to need two doubles, if not three. You're gonna need two different nines. You're gonna need a couple of crow fi- a couple of mob fives. Um, there is benefit to having a consistent coach, you know, that you can pick up your phone and be like, Coach, why, why am I missing the grab on this? Why didn't I win this weekend? Um, but it's more the ladies that recognize and appreciate that. Are you getting calls from yeah. riders like oh, before yeah. their runs, after yeah. their runs? Yeah, it's fantastic. I'll get I'll get calls from from like all over the world. Like uh, Holly Waldrop, she's just left today. She's Going to Australia, she's so stoked. You know, she pulls me, she's like, can I call you before I ride? I love that. I'm like, of course you can. Go get him, Holly. In the middle of the night. Yeah, right? I love that. I love it. And you know, I'll get a text from, um, from like Erica Lang. Like, this is fantastic. She texts me, she's like, what speed do I ride? I'm like, are you serious? 
<laughs> I'm like, are you serious? She's at the contest freaking out because she can't remember what. And sometimes all you need to do is send him a text and be like, hey, 22.8. Where, like, I don't know because I've never been that level of athlete, but, like, where is it where you lose that mental and you need that extra person to maybe – I don't know. I see, like, some of the athletes who are, like, totally on it, but then – and, again, like, I don't want to drop any names on the podcast or whatever, mm -hmm. but I know that there are some athletes who will completely fall apart if they don't get their phone call with you. Oh, man. Um, I don't know, I'm blanking right now on that. All I know is like when that phone rings and I know it's a contest and I know they're calling me because they need some help. There's a reason and you stop the boat, you stop what you're doing, you pick up and you say positive reinforcement, you keep them pumped, you calm them down. Um, you know, you just be there. As a coach, they believe in you and you have to be there. And it's, a, it's stressful, it's a lot of responsibility because I know the pressure they're under and I want them to do well. And a lot of these athletes work really hard, and these families have invested a lot, and they they work really hard. How does it affect you um, when you're when your athletes you coach, um, you know, uh, achieve the dream? And uh, also, how does it affect you if uh, you work so hard with a, a student and they go and it just completely goes in the opposite direction? Oh, it's a roller coaster. It's a roller coaster. You know, some of our guys have done so well and some of them have got such great potential and then they just can't quite pull it together. I don't know, you just, you just be there. You just you be supportive. And uh, it's just after doing this for like 20 years, this is part of the ride, Right. part you, of the wakeboarding life. Are there any riders that you get nervous for? Um, all of them. You all still get them. nervous, huh? All of them, man. No matter how hard we work. You know, you're watching on the internet and they're across the world competing, your heart's like, do 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 Absolutely, man. I got to say, you know, you guys here have, have, have done such an insane job over the years, and have, uh, the O-Town has just been so visible, and you've done such a great job um, taking care of, you know, the amateurs and, and the pros. Who, um, who could you kind of say are some of your, like, brightest stars here uh, who've, who've come through the doors of o-town i mean i mean uh, i mean obviously malinowski love russell russell was awesome he's dynamite so what him. was rusty's relationship with 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 you i got some good rusty stories um it was we had just bought the business in 2003 he had just moved on to lake frederica down on cimarron um there was a bunch of canadians living on that lake and all riding behind this malibu um, I think it had a pylon on it, and uh, Rusty was just super hungry, super hungry, and I just, I just, you could, you'd feel the fire. If he didn't get to ride six or seven times a day, he'd be mad, and he would do anything to ride. Uh, he helped us paint the building originally. Um, Probably painted it faster than you could have ever imagined. Ever, ever. We'd run out of paint. He'd just, he didn't care, and, and he would just, he'd just do whatever he had to to get those rides in every day. So Rusty was hanging out here when you guys first started coming into like the game of as far as like wakeboarding goes. I mean, he was one of your first like Correct. major prime time yeah. students. Yeah. So do you, do you think like having a guy like him and people seeing the success that he got, and then also um, his his training regiment? I, I mean. Again, like you, you make it sound like it's all him, but like, uh, how much does he owe to that? Like, how much did you push him to to be such an animal there? Because no, he honestly, Malinowski didn't need pushing. He was he was just go. I mean, we can both probably sit back and recognize that 
Rusty uh, slightly helped change the game. I mean, the, the athletes, it went from being a full-on lifestyle to a really, really athletic game, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. So, um, any other names? Yeah, still Lafferty. Love, yeah. love the Lafferty family. Amazing family. And Steele was just very mellow, different mentality. Steele was very cruisy, but just super talented. Well, let me ask you about perhaps if, if there's any names that maybe stopped through for a little brushing up that people might be surprised to hear I about. I got to work with Megan Ethel when she was like 12 and 13. She was, she was like rusty. And now does she, does she still stop in for any? I love Megan. That's a board. She signed me a board and, and uh, sent it in last year. Um, that was Friday. Love Dallas. Um, Dallas still comes by, right? No, no, she doesn't. She doesn't, but um, I love Dallas. Massive air spins. Uh, who else? Who else? I'm looking around now. Um, Shoda. I love Mr. Tezuka. I mean, we need him in our sport. He's like him and Keith Lyman. We need that style in our sport. Um, man, I'm trying to think. Oh, the Valdez is from California. Yeah, so they spent God, a lot of time out here. Love those boys. Yeah, they were awesome. Wow. That was so cool. I felt so legit having riders like like California guys like that coming in. Um, What's the uh, furthest anybody's ever come to, to go to ski school or come to wakeboard camp or whatever, wakeboard school? Yeah, I mean, all over the world. I mean, we've got, we've got a couple Belgians arriving next week. Uh, we just had a group from from switzerland and the cool thing is with with how we've done the business is we get people that are really passionate you know and they they need to know we're not you know it's not here to learn a double even if it's your first 360 we still love it we love what we do so yeah so in your opinion as someone who's been in the sport for so long i mean you were here in the boom period what's your opinion on the state of wakeboarding as you see it right now i want to say it's awesome I mean, it's a, it's a different level with the boats, different level with how big the wakes are. Um, the coaching, the, edge, the edging technique for learning new tricks is completely different. Um, that edge all the way through the top stuff is, is kind of out the door. It's different now with these wakes being so big. It's more like a trampoline edge. I was texting with Andy, Andy Les, and um, yeah, he was, he was showing me Sam Brown. Oh my gosh, dude. Kid is the kid's uh, an evolution of wakeboarding. I mean, his he the hit the way that he is riding now. I I believe you know you look at you look at like Watson and and Tino Santori and Danny Harf, and it's because of those guys that the 900 became so prominent and consistent in our sport. You know what I mean? Like yeah. before those guys were doing it, in my opinion, people could do them, but it's just like and now you look and you watch these 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 the 900 uh sequences go down in our sport the heel nines in a in a contest I know, I know. Run, it's, it's know, insane Corey I mean, with the with those with those tens uh kobe france with those 1080s but now you've got sam brown who's initiating this new style have you seen it what he does when he spin like it's, it's crazy it is it's a new like the way he twists his leg even if his body doesn't make that spin his board gets around in his patio that, that would rip that would rip me in half if i tried to land like that i remember greg uh greg nelson high polite uh, landed the first 720 uh, on that movie. Remember the movie Mayday? Yeah, of course. Yeah, and when he landed the, this first seven, caught on camera, and it was like, whoa, the sport is crazy. And now the way that these kids are, these the way that these kids are are, are doing it, it's uh, it's insane. I love seeing this whole new style. I really do. I love seeing the. Oh, evolution. I miss the old style though. 
I, I missed the blasting into the flats. I mean, of course, but it, 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 at the same time, it's 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 so different. If you think about it now, you don't like what what. Just think about what would happen if you if Darren Shapiro loaded the line like he did in 1992. Right now, at one of those wakes, what would happen? He'd probably NASA. land in the front of the boat. NASA. Yeah, you know, flight flight mission control, my friend. <laughs> um, so. Let me ask you this: um, How important are tournaments to um, to our sport right now? I, I mean, for me, I love I love tournaments because it's a test. You know, you prep, you prepare for this test. So you learn your tricks, you put your run together, you learn the tricks, you work on the trampoline. Um, I, I love all these tournaments. But you see that the numbers of contests aren't quite what they mm, once were, right? No. So, no. So, like. Uh, what do you think what do you think needs to change in that arena or do you think that it's somewhere else in the sport to again like i i don't think i i think it's a different day and an age you know what i mean yeah. and there's so many different um avenues of getting your media and we probably get kind of lost in that in the blanket of so much other stuff now um but it, but at the end of the day it just is different Oh yeah, that's different. You know, that's different. I mean, I'm very, I'm very like kind of pinpoint focused on like just prepping the kids, learning the new tricks, keeping them safe, and then go do a contest, test yourself. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I love our sport. I just, I want to, I want it to keep growing. You guys have an amazing um, venue here, and I know like when I, fir I first came down to Florida to visit like Parks Bonifay and Eric Ruck. This is, must have been in the late '90s, early, early, early 2000s. I remember. There, even in the Pointless movie, there was like some video footage of like a nighttime contest that happened over here, but at O Town, I don't think there's really been. I, I know, I know, you guys have been so ultra focused on training the next generation and and whatnot, but um, have you ever considered hosting maybe like a gravel tour stop here at O Town or maybe like independent we would, events? We, we would love to. We would love to. We're a little bit restricted by our parking. You know, I think we have about. Four parking spots. That's true. I was I was uh, yeah. a little little underwhelmed by parking when I uh, don't don't get me wrong. I, we want to do our part to grow the sport. We we really do. Um. All right. Well, as we um, as we kind of come to the end here, um, I I wanted to throw a couple of names out of guys who I kind of came up through the ranks with, and um, aside from you, they're probably the two most recognizable names out of New Zealand. And I just wanted to find out if you had any experiences or stories, because if there were two guys to have experiences or stories with these would be them. Uh, I'm going to start with, um, with Jeff Weatherall. Oh, Jeff Weatherall. So, the young so, gun, the young gun. I loved it. Um, a couple of experiences. I think we had, uh, he had won the New Zealand nationals and he, he was in Florida he called me up. He goes, Flitz, the boys gave me 200 bucks. Let's, let's go get hammered. And so pretty much we just bought a bunch of alcohol and we partied at my, my now wife's, but she was my girlfriend at the time's house. And at some stage at the bonfire, someone decided to throw uh, a handful of skyrockets onto the, to the fire. And fireworks. Fireworks. And it was party time. And then, of course, uh, my girlfriend's yelling at me and the cops are coming and everyone scatters. And then, um, yeah, so that was, that was uh, one party with Jeff. 
What about uh, what about Weatherall when he came to the states? What uh, did you did you um, did you help facilitate him at all? Or? Not really, because Jeff Jeff was a pretty independent guy. He was on a mission. He knew what he had to do. And what was his level of like riding when he came over here? I uh, pretty good, and then he just got better and better and better. You ever keep in touch with Jeff at all? I follow him on Instagram and stuff, and at the moment, I think he's like jumping off of buildings and jumping out of planes and stuff. So it's still the same Jeff. He's crazy. Other name that uh, you um, must have known I was going to mention is uh, B Rad, Brad Smela. Yes, of course, of course. Uh, I got a good Brad story. So I built this this floating like big pontoon boat with a slide on it, not a wakeboard slide, but like a slide for the kids. Got a, got a couple kids. And um, we had that out the front of our lake house, um, but it was so big when a storm would come, it would break loose and drift into our neighbor's docks. So my partner was like, you gotta get rid of that thing. And I'm like, I can't take that thing apart. Uh, so I called up Brad, who was working at the Wake Wall camp. I'm like, Brad, I need your help. He's like, let's go, bro. So he came over um, at the beginning of a lightning storm, and we didn't even think, talk about ignorant, uh, hooked it up to the jet ski and towed this thing three lakes over and pushed it off into the bushes uh, to get rid of it. And uh, I'm surprised we didn't get struck by lightning. Yeah, I mean, you guys are risk takers, right? Didn't No, we just didn't think. How did Brad's um, injury affect you when you heard about it? Heavy, really heavy, really heavy. Because then I'm thinking like, you know, I, I, I mean, really heavy. Yeah, what a legend though, right? Yes, and we still keep in touch. I actually, I just sent him a video for his birthday, which was a couple of weeks, a week or two ago. Um, yeah. Depending on when you listen to this episode. Yeah. Very good, man. All right, well, dude, that was, this is pretty cool, man. I appreciate you. Thank you, Dana. Yeah, I appreciate you having me over here to the to school. It's so cool seeing there's a lot of history over here at O-Town. There's wakeboards from, from past students. There's old boards here signed by people. Um um, you know, a lot of nostalgia, trophies that riders have left, um, bibs from from contests. You got wakeboard movies here? We'll do it. We got VHS, DVD. Okay. V- everything. Nice. Um, Blu-ray? Mm, I don't think we got Blu-ray. They could, though. Glenn, this is the opportunity right now. If anybody listening has ever considered coming to O-Town or wakeboard school in general, I mean, tell them why they should come here. Just bring it. I'll, I'll teach you whatever you want. I'll teach you it safely. Talk about the accommodations and everything. How okay, e- like, like, just break it down about how easy this is. And, like, I don't know, maybe even throw me a, a, a an approximate, maybe, number of, let's just say somebody from Chicago, what the whole shebang is going to cost. All right, so you're flying to Orlando. We pick you up. 15 minutes later, you're with us on the lake. You've got fantastic hyperlight equipment to choose from, all the newest technology. I get you out there on the lake. Well, we, first of all, we set goals, you know, what you want to learn, what your level is. We'll do a little bit of trampoline, you know, figure out you want to flip, you want to spin. I'll watch how balanced you are. We'll do some stretching so I can figure out where your weakness, where your strengths are. Uh, I'll spark up my Supra. I've got a beautiful Supra out there. Uh, it's got 2,400 hours on it. I've got a brand new Raptor engine in it. Amazing in my engine. Scotty Clark, you're awesome. Legend. Legend. Uh, and then we'll just we'll gently begin. And then as, you know, whether you're with us for a day, three days or a week, I'll just gently increase the adrenaline until you're completely addicted to weightboarding and want to move to Orlando. So flight, food, accommodations. Flight, I mean, food, accommodation, living on the lake, living the dream. I mean, it, it, or is it breaking the bank, or what do you think? No, it's not breaking the bank. 
completely reasonable. So do it, people. Come on. All right, Glenn, before I let you get out of here uh, completely, if anybody wants to uh, book some time with you down here, um, how far out and uh, what do they have to do? Just otownwatersports.com. Use, use a Google machine. Yeah, are you uh, – you do uh, – I usually do the three S's, the social media, the shout-outs – and the sponsors, okay. so that's the that this is that part of the okay, show. Okay, okay. So unless uh, unless I didn't unless I didn't tap into something that you wanted to get to. No, no. I mean, um, maybe like maybe like the the in my project's been being a cool thing, but that's based, you know, that's like amazing. Talk, t- you can tell okay, me about yeah, it. So so uh, a couple years ago, this I got is a, like this is the shout out portion okay, of the, the show. Okay, the shout out would be to the uh, to the in my guys for making a freaking amazing engine. Um, I've got my super out there. It's got their new four sixty in it. And I can basically throw around about 7,000 pounds all day long. You have basically been tasked by Inmar to do whatever you can do to break these engines, yeah, right? Yeah. And we, we, I try. I, I tried. And uh, it's been amazing, man. It's been a great. I love these guys. They've made an amazing product. They love our sport. These guys believe in wakeboarding, wake surfing. They want us to have the best products. We've got a beautiful Ford engine out there. Yeah. Yeah, Natalie. Natalie's great. I love working with Scotty. Chuck's awesome. Scotty Clack, real quick. Just give us a, a quick... Scotty, guys, for, for those of you guys listening, uh, mentioned him in the past before. Scotty Clack, legendary toad water sports athlete, one of the best water skiers of all time, but, man, always been just a huge supporter of, just a super, of wakeboarding. Super cool guy. Just a super cool guy. And uh, he's now learning guitar. So we're doing guitar tutoring. Uh, I guitar tutor him a couple times a week over the phone very very good right so you're so you're a coach on the water and off and the water i love music i love music whenever you come into o-town i'll also try and try and uh force a guitar on you to learn guitar well, very good well guys i'm just looking around here there's a massage table a punching bag plenty of wakeboards um lockers ping pong table pull-up bar bench press bench press um ninja warrior um, yeah, I got a salmon ladder out the back. If you, if you, uh, if anyone's game enough to come and try it, bring it. Do it, bring it. All right, guys, I recommend you, uh, you come out here. Um, the shout-outs, the sponsors. Go Greg Nelson, Hyperlight, Supra, and my, of course, uh, and my amazing girls. I have a, I have a fantastic wife and family who's given me three beautiful girls. I'm blessed. Call them out. And Let's I love living it. in America. I Let's mean, hear it. I'm, the li- I'm living the dream. I'm living the dream. I'm blessed. Uh, this is a country where if you work really hard. You'll be rewarded. Um, I love our industry. Everyone, you gonna drop the ladies' else. names or what? Um, no, that's good. All right. I mean, I, um, I'm just. I'm really blessed. I'm really thankful. I'm sitting across from Dano the Mano, and we're friends. And it is just such a cool industry. I'm so proud to be a part of this industry. That's it, man. Oh, Bill Porter. Bill, you're you're a gangster. Don't mess with Bill. Yeah, performance, ski and surf, my friends. Very good. Love it. All right. Uh, social media. Uh. Instagram would be Fletcher O-Town. And then, of course, otownwatersports.com on the Google machine. All right, there it is. Glenn, thank you so much for uh, hosting me over here and letting me do this. This is really cool. We, we had a conversation on the phone the other day. I was like, dude, I want to – what did you think when I called you and said I want to podcast with you? I'm like, wow, Dan of the Man has called me for podcast. Yeah, but I, I, you've asked, I was like, I've made it. You I've have made it. You have had a audio appearance on the show before in the uh, audio montages we used to do uh, with performance. You remember those? I remember recording that. The but you always get so nervous because you're always like, oh, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? I'm not ready. I'm like, dude, I just need like 10 seconds. I've had you. You've trained me. I'm yeah. ready. We're good. So what do you think? Today going all good? It was awesome. 
Awesome. Glenn, thank, thank, you, thank you so much, guys. That's it. That's all for this one. Uh, we will be right back with just a little bit more, some uh, plugs and a little closer right here on the Golden Mike Podcast, baby. Dig it. Oh, yeah. Bye, guys. You. So maybe with everything going on this week, month, or summer, it might not be the time for you to buy a brand new boat, but that doesn't mean that Roswell Marine can't help you give your current boat a little more love. Visit their website, roswellmarine.com, to check out their selection of towers, tower accessories, marine audio options, and everything else your boat needs to stand out aesthetically with uncompromised functionality and originality. Roswell's motto is quality without compromise, and no matter what you buy, you can buy it with confidence, knowing that Roswell products are built to perform reliably from the moment you install them. Before you put your boat back in the water, check out one of their 30-plus dealers around the U.S. and Canada. Be sure to use the dealer search function on their website and find the one closest to you. That website, again, is www.roswellmarine.com. Presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast with the noise of the north, Dano the Mano. So after we wrapped up this interview, Glenn was gracious enough to get me out on the water. You guys remember when I had Jeff McKee from Slingshot on the podcast or when he hooked me up with a wake foil and it changed my life? Well, Glenn actually had an electronic version called an e-foil and it changed my life even more. I was hesitant at first, but Glenn encouraged me to go out and ride it out on Lake Barton as the sun was setting. It was truly beautiful. I wore one of those BB talking Bluetooth helmets and Glenn was in my ear the entire time coaching me through it. So a big thank you to Glenn for the interview, for the history, and for letting me ride that e-foil. I will always appreciate it and you. Speaking of people we appreciate, we are currently announcing all the athletes, the skiers, the riders we accepted to compete in this year's Twin Lakes Corn Fest. We're dropping names every week over on our Facebook and Instagram pages, so give us a follow at TL Corn Fest if you don't already. We figured that regardless of what's going on, we owe it to these athletes to highlight and promote the fact that they will be competing at Twin Lakes Corn Fest. And as far as updates go, we're monitoring the news and talking to other folks within the industry. We never want to put anyone to risk, so we'll see how things progress in the next few weeks and months, and we can update you guys when we know more. For right now, check out tlcornfest.com for more details. And again, on Facebook and Instagram at tlcornfest. All right, I do want to thank you all for listening. An enormous thank you to the sponsors of this podcast for their continued support. Thanks to SeaDeck Marine Products, WSIA, Wake Responsibly, Active Water Sports, Roswell Marine, Centurion Boats, Boulder Boats, Masterline, Radar and Ronex, O'Brien, Leadwake, Slingshot, Hyperlight, Conley, and GoPuck. Behind the scenes, a special thanks to Jane Levy in the office, Arthur Shabashevich on copy, and Rich Walsh on sound. Glenn Fletcher, thanks you legend. That's it. That's all for me, folks. And just a reminder, you can follow the show on Facebook at the Golden Mike Podcast and me 
on Instagram at Dano T Mano. Message me there or at Golden Mike at noiseofthenorth.com. Want to thank you all for tuning in and listening. As always, I am the Noise of the North. I'm Dano the Mano, and you can hear me next time once again right here on the Golden Mike Podcast.